1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It's technically a parenting fail on my fault for, you know, having a seven-year-old that still can't go to bed on his own, but... Go to bed, goddammit! It's also technically my fault, because whatever is wrong with my genetics that makes me not be able to go to sleep seems to be wrong with him as well.
2: Ah. Wow. Perpetuating problem. Yeah. Oh, well. How was, uh, how was,
3: how was your Thanksgiving, Noah? Sounds like you were sick. Yeah, I got sick as fuck Wednesday night, and I'm still pretty sick. So, not great. Ah. Oh, Boo.
2: It's alright. We went to my family's Thanksgiving, and uh, my girlfriend noted, like, oh yeah, you were right. All the food was terrible. I'm like, yeah, I warned
3: you. <laughs> that's, that's such that's a, just nice. a fascinating thing, to have bad food year after year.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, my family, everybody in my family, except for me, apparently, uh, smokes like a chimney. So I'm pretty sure they can't taste anything.
1: That, that legit makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah. Although, ironically, my dad is a great cook and smoked for years, so I don't know if he can even appreciate the food that he makes.
2: I don't know, but maybe his food was so good it broke through the not being able to taste stuff. Oh, maybe because it's the only thing that makes sense. Like, why else would food be so bad if none of them, if they could all taste it properly?
3: Um, some people I don't just know. like shitty food. I guess that's possible too.
1: My ex's grandmother used to make the turkey the day in advance and then reheat it, Ooh. and it was it was so dry. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> like because we would always have to go to both like holidays with my dad yeah. being an excellent cook. That would mean that we would just be like actively avoiding turkey at <laughs> all of our <laughs> family <laughs> gatherings.
2: <laughs> We're
1: like. <laughs> You just feel like, I don't know what the polite way to say this is, but I'm just going to live. At least it's a good excuse. You or... can be
2: like, I turkeyed up in the last one. Yeah, yeah. Getting real tired from all this turkey. I better eat something else.
1: It's more of a problem when you're like, I'm planning to turkey up tomorrow. So I can't have turkey <laughs> now. Sorry. It's clearly we're making hey, a decision here.
3: How about you take this dry ass fucking turkey and throw it in the goddamn trash can? <laughs> Oh. So
2: my mom does this thing where, I don't know, I've never, it's never been explained to me. She always makes turkey and ham, which I'm yeah. just like, yeah. we're going to have ham on Christmas. Mm, just why why we have ham now. That.
1: Sure. If, if you have enough people to eat it all, it makes sense to me to have options, but.
2: Well, Cindy said she heard my mom tell someone, which I didn't hear it. That she got like a 10 pound turkey breast for this. And I mean, 10 pound turkey breasts. So it's, my mom my stepdad me my brother my sister cindy's there it's my sister's three kids it's my brother's two kids like 10 pounds a, 10 pounds of turkey not gonna cut it he's out the game
3: i don't know I, i'm always partial to turkey it all feels like reading into controversial yep Well, yeah. I mean, the trick is is if a 10-pound turkey would feed everybody, then you need a 20-pound turkey. Exactly. My family's dumb, though.
1: That's the only nice thing my family does for me every year is whenever there's turkey, I always get a breast set aside for me to bring home. Yeah. It's, like, carved out early and put aside so nobody will eat it. (laughs) It's, like, every, like, like Christmas and every Thanksgiving, that happens. And it's... um, it's just one of those things where I'm like, it's, I "Guess you guys never do anything nice for me all year long." This is all I get. <laughs> I bring it home. I refuse to uh, share it with anyone. So
2: <laughs>
1: Lando tries to grab a piece, and you're like, "No, not for you." Yeah, it's usually not that hard to convince him to eat something crappy instead of good food. So, <laughs>
2: uh, I bet if there was one person you would have shared your turkey with, it would have been Bill Paxton. Damn straight.
3: But not Billy Bob Thornton, though. Fuck that guy. I don't, I don't know if either of these versions of Bill Paxton if I would share my turkey with them.
1: <laughs> you <fuck> him. You fucking better. <laughs> you don't want to piss him off, I'll tell you that much.
2: <laughs> He's going to decide he needs to control the turkey, and he'll dole it out as needed. Yeah. Uh, hey, Noah, do you want to tell us about uh, Simple Plan?
3: Uh, sure. Uh, three guys find a briefcase of dangerous money in a crashed airplane uh and it fucks their whole lives up that's that's a, that's the entire plot basically <laughs> i mean it's it's kind crazy. of it's it's one of those it's a movie that's about three friends coming into a bunch of money and and it destroys their relationship and they basically all but one end up dead which yeah i know maybe when this movie came out that wasn't like a fucking cliche yet but now it's a cliche and this was my first time watching this movie and this is not the best one of those tellings of that story it's kind of i'm gonna be 100 this movie's a little bit boring
1: oh we're gonna we're gonna strongly disagree on this
3: yeah, it's just not. Um, I don't have the attachment to it that you guys do, so I don't know. This being a first time watch, I was like, okay, well, there's like eight other movies that are the same thing that I would rather watch than this.
1: I don't. I, I I'm a little off guard by that because the execution of this film is so good, and I mean, with Bill Paxton's. I mean, when when you get into the details of it and you watch Bill Paxton's kind of like whole view of the world just collapse around him where at the beginning of the movie he clearly feels he has this just perfect idyllic life and every element is just falling apart around him you know his relationship with his brother is not what it seems his relationship with his wife is not what it seems you know the way everyone views him is clearly incorrect and for a while that that's he uses that to his advantage but you can also see that it's just eating away at him knowing that he's not the good person that he thought he was. Um, when, with the revelations of like his family history that come out and you're just like, Oh, like that's like, you feel bad for him despite the fact that he's effectively the villain of the film for most of the movie. And it's like, uh, I think it's, again, to say that other movies have done it better. I, I, I would happily watch other movies that told the same story, but better. Um, but this, this one's great at it, I think.
3: Do you have examples, Noah? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of s- some other ones, but my, but my brain is a blank due to the fog of sickness.
2: I was just curious, because uh, I'm kind of along the lines of Doug. Like, I love this movie. I think all the performances are great. The direction's fantastic. Uh, and just sort of the weird... Uh, not weird, but like the very much I guess spoiler for the end the twilight zone sort of ending where he sort of gives up everything for this money and then turns out he can't even spend it so the whole thing was just like for nothing
1: yeah well and just love all of it the the darkness of this notion of now he's going to return to his air quotes idealistic lifestyle right Mm -hmm. which they do a really good job at the beginning of the film I think of setting it up as though he is living a perfect life um but to know he's going to go back to that, but you know, without family anymore, knowing his wife is basically hates him at this point, and is, and is just utterly disappointed with their life. You know, having lost this opportunity to build the future for his daughter, which is such an important part of the storytelling, and just it, it's it's like 70s sci sci-fi like darkness that level of ending, but in a drama film. It's just, like, it, it's so upsetting at the end of the movie when he's just like, you know, and there's that line of, like, voiceover where he's like, you know, some days I managed not to think about the murders. Like, <laughs> occasionally I have a good day where I'm able to just make it through my day without thinking about how fucked up everything is, implying that most days I spent all day thinking about how fucked up everything is. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just the fact that he essentially gets away with everything. Yeah, but then like it still just ends in ruin. So it's just yeah. like wow, I've accomplished nothing. I am further behind than I was when I started. I thought I was going to get ahead using this. Yeah. stolen yeah, money. No, I, or mean, I mean, I well, mean the whole message is, of the movie
1: is basically
3: uh, given incentive. Everyone turns into garbage. And that's just, and it's like, yeah, but I, well, I don't need a movie to tell me that. I already know that an incentive, everybody turns to
1: garbage. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the typical, you know, money is power and power is corruption type messaging. I don't think it's, it's, it's a tale as old as time kind of thing. Um, but I think watching it unfold the way it does. And there is that moment, like it, you can't help but think at the end when you're watching him throw that money into that fire and you know his wife is losing her mind on him and you know he's already killed his own brother and you just can't help but think like he wanted to turn that in at the very beginning he, his idea was fuck this <laughs> i'm just we're just going to turn it in and maybe we'll get something as cool. say, and
3: you know what the maybe funny thing cool. is is because that was ransom money if they had turned it in they probably would have got a reward of some kind <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, they would have probably been better off turning it in. I mean, and I think there is a clear message in the film, too, that doing the right thing in this scenario would have paid off. I'm not sure how much that translates to the real world, because I'm not sure if doing the right thing ever actually benefits you in the real world. But um, that's the message of the film. And you're like, yeah, if he, it, he had the intellectual capacity to understand what the right thing to do was and he allowed himself to be corrupted by people who didn't have that same capacity and therefore he he went down this really dark rabbit hole um you know like what does he end up killing like three people this is a guy who was clearly like a non-violent person at the beginning mm-hmm. and that i mean that i mean technically four i guess four
2: well, he kills the, oh. the friend and her his wife, and then his brother, and then yep. the quote unquote FBI guy, who's
1: yeah, uh, the old man. I guess technically it was Billy Bob Thornton who pulled the trigger on the friend, though, right? Oh, and the old man. You're right. Yeah, like there's a lot of people dead at the end of this movie.
2: Oh, Billy Bob Thornton did shoot the FBI guy, and you're
1: you right. could ar- you could argue that by creating this whole scenario, he's responsible for the police officer's death as well, right? Yeah to some extent Uh, maybe probably not legally responsible, but morally. Um, yeah, no, I, I like for me, it's just the, the storytelling works perfect. The performances are fantastic from everyone. Um, maybe Gary Cole at the end when he comes in is a little over the top, just slightly in his performance. It's not necessarily bad. It's just, um, he's surrounded by greatness in this film. I mean, he's I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, he's in these scenes with Billy Bob Thornton and Bill Paxton. And, uh, I don't know the name of the actor off the top of my head that plays the sheriff, but he's really good too.
2: Chelsea Ross. Sure. I worked on a movie with him.
1: Oh, he's, he's a really good actor. Yes, um, and it's, um,
2: I would say, I still think Gary Cole's performance is pretty good too. Um, yeah. considering he's, uh whatever he is, kidnapper, ransomer, yeah, whatever. He's coming in trying to play an FBI guy. So maybe that sort of over the topness is almost like well, this is what an FBI guy
1: is like. Yeah, so he's like sort of scenario. It comes across as phony because it's supposed to be phony. Mm-hmm. I can see that.
2: I'm not even saying he put that much thought into it, but like it still works for me because of that.
1: Oh, yeah. And and I mean, like, I'm really nitpicking when I complain about it. Just so we're clear, it's like that's that's real far down the rabbit hole. Like, like it's not something that I would ever. It doesn't bother me when I watch the movie. It's just like because everyone, you know, even even like weirdly like the smaller roles, like the the friend's wife, whose name I'm never gonna know. Like, I don't know the main character's name, so I'm not gonna learn yeah. the wife of the third lead's name. But sure. Um, like her getting all mad at her husband because he's up drinking with the guys late at night and stuff, all that felt really real. And I think that realness, I think adds to why the story is so impactful because it does feel like, okay, here's a guy you're trying to understand that character's motivation. So when she comes down the stairs, yelling at him and basically calling him a loser for not having a job. And he's talking, you know, there's already been that scene where he has like that little breakdown. Cause he's talking about um, losing his truck because he can't make the payments and stuff. Mm-hmm. and, you're like, you can understand the motivation of that character because it's built into the story without them having to have him come out and say anything. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, you can see how he's feeling emasculated and how he feels like he's not living up to what's needed of him. Yeah. And, you know, um, I I think you see very, they, they do a lot of that in the movie where there's like through the story you're learning, you're learning more about these people and, and how they feel and what their motivations are. So when you realize partway through the movie, you're at the beginning of the movie, you're very much told that like the Bill Paxton character is the, the smarter educated person who lives and be, it's, it's implied that, you know, Hey, he, he works in this, he's like an accounting at this feed store or whatever. And his wife's like a librarian. They're like an educated couple and they get to go live this idealistic lifestyle in this like beautiful little, like, perfect home from like a fucking painting that you would hang on your wall, you know. And yeah. they're having this great life, having this daughter and, you know, his brother, who's just, just frankly quite dumb. <laughs> and, you know, just real hickey and rednecky. Him and his his idiot friend, their lives suck because they haven't been able to do all this. And then as the revelation comes in that like, oh, like the reason the brother's life sucks is because he was supposed to inherit the farm but the farm got taken away because the dad borrowed against the farm to pay for bill Paxton's college. And you're like, Oh, so it's, it's a lot less about them being better people and a lot more to do with opportunity. Right. Hmm. And, and all that kind of stuff. And I I like the way all those little things are revealed throughout the storytelling.
2: Yeah. There's like the story unfolds. Like, it's just, I find it to be interesting layers, like underneath everything. Yeah. Like first you find out about the farm and the fact that, yeah, he was supposed to get it, and then Dad lost it, and then Dad died in a car accident. And he's like, no, he didn't. He killed himself. And then, like, that stuff starts coming up. Yeah. And it's like all these dots that when you sort of connect them, it's just like, oh, shit. But, like, the main character had no idea because he was able to go through life and just, you know, well do everything that was given to him.
1: And we, we, we probably all know people that are living a good life because they were born into good circumstances and they obviously didn't screw it up, but they didn't really accomplish much either. Right. And they don't, a lot of times people like in that situation, they don't understand it. They think like, you know, Oh, like, look at all the, look at what I've done. And it's like, yeah, you did. But that guy that was born on the other side of town or the brother who wanted to inherit the farm instead of go to college or whatever, you know, that, they, they, they weren't handed the same opportunities you were and that's why your lives are different and it's hard to explain that to people and I think watching learning that about the Bill Paxton character is in a lot of ways what this movie is about right mm-hmm.
2: but, <clears throat> and then the interesting moments where his wife turns out to be more like the devil on his shoulder mm-hmm. which is not something you would think but suddenly she's coming uh-huh. up with all these ideas of what he needs to do in order to keep the money and everything else. And of course he goes along with it and it all goes to shit when he does that.
1: Well, most people who have ever met a woman will understand that they will (laughs) pressure you to find, to do whatever it takes to get them an easier, better lifestyle, regardless of the impact it's having on you. That felt very real to me too, where he's like, it's clearly stressing him out and she doesn't care and when he's like maybe we should do the right thing and get rid of this money and she's like absolutely not and that's when the big reveal comes that he thinks he's living this idealistic lifestyle but she hates it because she doesn't want to have to like clip coupons and stuff mm-hmm. you know and when she uses the daughter against him and is like do you think your daughter is ever going to really be happy playing with hand-me-down toys and it's like i don't know now our now daughter's being raised by a murderer is that better <laughs> like <laughs> that's
2: yeah now mom and dad I got some secrets
1: yeah I, I feel like you know conspiring to commit murder together probably puts strain on a marriage I don't know not gonna try it just to find out you know
2: <laughs> come on Doug get married and then kill someone hmm.
1: I mean I could see how one would lead to the other
3: <sighs> is there anything you did like about this Noah? The it's, it's acting it was all fine I mean, I per- I personally think this is probably one of Billy Bob Thornton's best performances because usually I find him kind of insufferable and stuff.
0: Mm.
1: It's really neat to watch Billy Bob Thornton in two movies in the same week because I think he does a good job in both movies. I agree this is probably the better performance, but just how different he is in the movies, you know? Yeah. Um Bill Paxton plays different characters in these two movies as well, but they're both these charming, likable characters, you know, whereas Billy Bob manages to play two completely different versions of himself. Yeah. I, th- I think it turns out he's a really good actor. What? I know. I know nobody's said that before. I'm the first one to realize that Billy Bob Thornton's a good actor, but <laughs> oh, ironically, like, came up as a writer, which is...
2: Um, I don't know anything else about uh simple plan
1: no I mean I'm for me like i like I think like Noah says it's not necessarily the most original story I think the the basic outline of the story of these guys find this stuff it corrupts them it causes them to do things they probably wouldn't have done otherwise and drives them downhill. I think we haven't done I mean if we haven't talked enough about Billy Bob Thornton's character though and watching him go from you yeah. know. A simple, just like a simpleton, but who's relatively happy in his simple life. You know, but he's been carrying these burdens kind of behind the scenes and the fact that when all this happens, he just can't handle it. And that ending, when he convinces his brother to shoot him and basically like like basically threatens his brother, you know, like if you don't shoot me, I'm going to shoot myself. And that's going to be a lot harder for you to explain. And you know, it will, and he's not wrong. It would be a lot harder to explain, you know? Um, But if you just, if you just shoot me and claim that guy did it, there's no other witnesses here. They're going to believe you. And it's going to be easier for you. But like, what, what a dark moment to have him, to have him go for, like again at the at the beginning he was so like he's like a big dog that just comes running up to the door when you come home kind of like just happy kind of go lucky making his way through and just the depths of that character when they have that conversation about like where he's like where am I gonna like go like you keep telling me if I get get my share of the money I have to leave but where like if I can't buy the farm back then what what else am I gonna do Kind of thing yeah you know?
3: you know? well and the fact yeah. that he's the only a, one that I, I I think that his desire for the money is kind of normal if that makes sense he he wants it, but the only thing he wants is to like buy his parents' old house that he thought he should have got whenever they died that he didn't get
1: mm-hmm. yeah like it's it's of all the motivations his is the most noble you know his is the I just want. I just want the life that i was promised and it's i didn't do anything to mess up that life it was taken away from me i just want back to square one you know whereas i think even the other friend like you he has that well his is different
3: because his is desperation
1: like, yeah and and it's one of the things they don't get into as well though it it does seem like there are jobs available in this town, and they don't really get into well, why has this guy been unemployed for so long. And I'm not really sure what the what the reasoning is, um, you know. Because if it's I do my best all day, every day to build a better life for myself, and it's just not working out, you have a lot more sympathy for him than if it's I drink all day, and therefore nobody will hire me because I show up to interviews drunk. <laughs> then that's a lot less sympathetic, you know. And they kind of implied that. He spends a lot of his day drunk.
3: Yeah.
2: I like all three of the characters. Like, I just like how how we have pointed out they all three have different motivations. And it seems like Bill Paxton's motivation would be the smart way where he's like, look, we're just going to hold on to it. We're going to see how this plays out. And then we can figure out what we're going to do. But that still ends up being sort of the wrong approach to it where his first notion of turning it in was...
1: Yeah, you
3: know, well, and he's the fucking I I mean. the, yeah, like Bill Paxson's character. though the whole thing is that he's the hypocrite. It, it every fucking turn. He's a fucking hypocrite.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody. Don't yeah. even tell your wife. Don't tell your girlfriend goes yeah. home. He's like, honey, look what I found.
1: Well, yeah, I think his, his core character flaw is arrogance, right? Like, the reason he tells his wife is because he thinks he's better than everybody else. He, and he thinks him and his wife are so much smarter than these other two that they can handle it and these other two can't. Um, and it turns out nobody can handle it. So I mean, that's his, his pride isn't. Is his I mean, fall arguably suffix. he's correct.
3: Only because the very first uh, crack in the armor of everything is 10 seconds after they find the money, that cop pulling up. And mm-hmm. the brother and that other guy hatching their plan to basically tell the guy that they heard a plane because somehow their knowledge yeah. of the plane would alleviate suspicion of their knowledge of the plane.
1: <laughs> it, it's oh. so... <laughs> Yeah, like, those are dumb characters. Um, there's no, like, when I said that it was circumstance that resulted in their different lifestyles, there's an element of the truth to that. There's also the fact that those two guys are idiots. Um, and I think sometimes when you're dumb long enough, it kind of becomes your identity of being dumb, and they that's what it is with them. It is, like, these guys who are, like partially because of circumstance, but also they've just kind of accepted that this is their place in the world is to just be these two idiots running around, you know, still acting very childish despite being grown adults. Uh, so that, I mean, that is, that is a child's notion. We're going to tell them about the plane. And that way, when they find the plane, if there's something missing, they won't blame us. Cause why would we have told them if we knew, if we, if we were the ones that took it, that is like a 10 year old's logic.
3: Yeah. it's fascinating.
1: But the execution of it, the execution is fascinating, too, though. I love watching it happen because Bill Paxton is just like so frustrated in that moment when the guy's talking about the plane. He's like, what? What? Like, what? Didn't I just leave you guys alone in the car and tell you not to? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I I think my biggest my biggest problem with this movie is uh, movies that are going to be incredibly depressing. I need that offset with other stuff. And this movie has none of the other stuff. It is just every second of this movie, things just get yeah. worse and worse and worse and worse, and you are like, okay, yeah. sucking my will to live, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it's not a happy film. It's a you know, um, it's it's a depressing drama film, and it's I I have to admit, like that is the kind of film I get into sometimes. I don't know. There's something comforting about watching a depressing movie. Like I said, if it's offset
3: with other stuff, I can do sad movies, but this one, there just, there isn't any, I don't know. Yeah.
1: No, no, there isn't like you're not, you're correct in pointing out that there is no offset in this movie that like, like the closest thing you get to an offset is maybe the, when uh, Bill Paxton's child is born and you get like some really happy moments and you get that really sweet moment of, like, Jacob showing up with, like, this old, like, broken down old teddy bear. And that's when, like, he, when Bill Paxton tells his wife, like, this was his when he was a kid. Like, he must have kept it for the last 30 years, hidden away somewhere and waited for to have a niece to bring it to kind of thing. And it's, like, you know, like, that that's a happy little moment. But then all that does is make it even sadder when Bill Paxton ends up shooting him in the back later in the film. It was a... Because it, it does become like a Lenny and Carl type relationship. Right? Or uh, who am I thinking of? Lenny and the other guy from All *Of Mice and Men. Lenny and Carl is the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say,
3: I think the one silver lining in this movie was whenever it started. I had already watched the other movie. And I was like, oh, no, it's okay. it's Bill Paxton and Billy Bob playing rednecks with their weird drunk friend. And I was like, okay, is this going to be weird racist Bill paxton again because yeah we'll get into it don't worry we'll get into that (laughs) man he he just there's something about the way he delivers racial slurs that i'm like yeah i think he says those occasionally like not not being paid to not as an actor
1: (laughs) well i don't know if i'm ready to make that judgment but luckily that didn't happen in a simple plan so we can just appreciate this film for what it is
3: yeah, it's just a bunch of white people. Yeah, I was going to say they, they, they avoided the problem by the entire any... cast
1: being white people. Yeah, uh, just, just it's kind of, kind of a good point. <laughs> but the snow was really pretty and it was white, so I think they do a wonderful job of filming the visuals with the snow, too. I think it really helps the film. Obviously, storyline wise, it's important that the film takes place in winter because it covers up their footsteps in certain moments and stuff like that. But also, it just looks neat. It adds something to the film.
2: I feel like it helped. It really feels like a small Midwestern town. Yeah. Like, I feel like the setting of it, like you can feel it while you watch the movie and you're like, yeah, this feels like it's set in a small town. Yeah. This
1: makes sense. And it's like, there's something about just the way everything was set up where it's like the. The idea of, like, some guy goes to college and now he gets to be the accountant at the local feed store. Like, that's just, like that's a, a career ambition and everyone else is like, geez, thank God he finally, thank God somebody went to college and came back to take over that job. Now he can try to explain to people how you build on Mondays. And sometimes there's five <laughs> Mondays in a month, not, not four, you know? Um,
2: <laughs> You're telling me there's five five weeks in this month? <laughs>
1: Oh, that scene entertains the hell out of me because anybody who's ever worked in any job ever has had that basically that conversation.
2: From what I believe, I think I read in the trivia that's actually Bill Paxton's dad.
1: Oh, really? That's kind of a fun little fact that you would never pick up on by watching. Name, name, Dad apparently Paxton didn't even
2: know he got he got hired. He apparently didn't even know he got hired, until he showed up and saw his picture on the cast wall.
1: He's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> they just did his, had his dad come in and be the guy that yells at him. <laughs> yeah. Just, just because Sam Raimi was feeling uh, cheeky that day. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: yeah, I really like this movie. Um, I was super happy to watch it. I'd kind of been one to watch it again. I think that's why I ended up picking these movies this week. But
1: yeah, pro- probably not one. Yeah, I, I hadn't think. seen it in a while myself, and yeah,
3: I oh, just forever?
1: don't see it. so so.
3: I like movies for escapism. Like that is the entire point of movies for me in a movie. That's about people treating each other. Shitty over money is just life. Like I don't need life in a movie form. I experience it on a daily. I work in a bank. I know people involved in money are shitty.
1: I do think like it's a it's a totally valid point what you're saying. Like I'm at, we had this discussion. Was it shit? Was that last week when we watched that Bill Murray movie and you guys were laughing and I'm like I this just wasn't made for me, you know. And I think that's kind of what's happening with you this week is this movie is doesn't matter how good or how well made it is, it's just
2: not yeah, something yeah, exactly. you want to watch. So. Yeah, it doesn't mean we're not going to give a
3: shit about it. Well, but at least the div- the difference <laughs> is I can go. Weird. Yeah, it seems like it's well written and all the actors performed well and like all yeah. that stuff's fine. It's just I don't know. It's just a story I'm not interested in with themes that I don't care about.
1: Yeah, but
2: they must. Well, maybe you need some more, more crime in your life. Is that what it is? Now no. you need more crime. No, well. Too bad. Hey, Doug, do you want to tell us about uh, One False Move? One
1: False Move. So, uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays a guy with a really annoying ponytail. Who fucking also happens to be a criminal and dealer. Ponytail. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have not. Right? I can't. I can't abide that haircut. I just can't. But um, anyways, <laughs> so they're in, he's in L.A. with his partner. And they're involved in like trying to steal drugs and money from drug dealers. Things kind of go awry. So a bunch of dead people. Um, But the cops figure out that they're on their way to star city, Arkansas, because of a, there's some kind of a recording that they, they figure that out. So two LA cops fly down to star city and meet up with local sheriff played by bill Paxton, who I did learn his character's name in this movie because his character's name is hurricane because everyone still calls everyone by their <laughs> like high school nicknames in this town, apparently. <laughs> and hurricane is, uh, he's looking at this as his great opportunity. He's super excited to have this chance to uh, be involved in this big LA case and stuff. You know, he's talking mm-hmm. to, he, he has a bunch of lines of dialogue where he talks about how like he's breaking up the same bar fights every week. And you know, He's got to go out to the same house all the time for domestic disputes, and they don't even bother to arrest the guy anymore because she's not going to press charges. So he just basically calms him down. Um, and yeah, he's he's pretty racist. Um, Still <laughs> <laughs> so, trying to gloss over that real quick. So the movie the movie progresses no, not, as not just a racist lines. So you have the-,
3: the most casually racist
1: of casual racists yeah it is i'm sure it's going to keep coming up so we don't we won't go into details right now but the movie progresses and it's these two stories it's these two la cops in this small town dealing with the sheriff who's like trying to he's trying to kind of take over the case they're kind of trying to humor him because they need his assistance even though they don't really have a lot of faith in him um and he they're trying to, you know, surveil the uncle's house of Billy Bob Thorne's character or something like that. And then the other story is Billy Bob and his partner trying to make it across the country knowing that they're being chased because now it's come out that their faces were seen on this surveillance camera or whatever. And there's a weirdly unnecessary statutory rape storyline that creeps in when it turns out the girl traveling with Billy Bob had an affair with Bill Paxton's character when she was 17. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact
3: that, that was- uh, she's a person of color, and we've firmly established at this point that uh, old casual racist hurricane is just <laughs> rolling around.
1: See, that's... Okay, so... I mean, that's the storyline. It ends up they all meet up in the same spot and there's a shootout.
3: You, you forgot about shootout. the 20 unnecessary plot threads that are in this that they throw in to connect a story when there's already a fucking plot thread to move the story in that direction. So there's no goddamn need for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Fair enough. This is a badly written movie.
2: Blame it on Billy oh, Bob, did he? yeah. Fuck yeah, you, Billy Bob.
1: <laughs> Maybe he just really. Jesus Christ! To does
3: the, that mean he picked? He picked the mullet. fucking skull at ponytail. He had creative control. <laughs> he probably, he probably put it in the script so they couldn't get rid of it.
1: <laughs> 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 that is the most upsetting. Okay. Racism, raping, murder—all that is bad. But that the ponytail is definitely the worst thing about this movie.
2: Uh, it was definitely a choice that he made on the page. I'm sure.
1: It seems like it. Yeah, because yeah. there's that is one awkward moment this? too where he like undoes the ponytail, and I'm like, well, that's not better. Put it back in the ponytail.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This movie was just fascinating. Like they keep trying to do like reveals. But when the reveal comes out, you're like, I don't give a fuck about this. Like, but how is that a reveal? Like, why? What's that? What was any of the point of setting up Billy Bob's uncle in Star City or whatever if, for them to be like, oh, but it was actually her wanting to go to Star City because her fucking family's here. And it's like, but that's not a fucking reveal. Nobody cares. And. You could that could have just been the well, thing. You could have just been watching the family's house from the very beginning, and then you cut out an entirely unnecessarily plot thread. And you have more time for character
1: development. Well, and and to add to what you're saying, like so, we're to believe that this girl from Star City, Arkansas, moved to L. A. to try to become yeah, an actress, <laughs> got mixed up with a drug dealer, and the drug dealers uncle is coincidentally also from Star City, Arkansas.
2: Don't they mention, though, I think she got mixed up with them before they left
3: to go to California? Is that right? That's not how I took it. So I could be wrong, though. I don't know. I don't know. But that happens two or three times throughout the movie where they do things like that. And you're like, but who gives it? That's not an interesting plot point. What was what was the fucking purpose? No. And then the climax of this movie. So this movie, despite the fact that it's basically just I I don't know, because it's supposed to be a crime thriller, but it's really more like a character piece, but trying to follow eight different fucking characters. So you don't get any of the character development. And then the resolution is like a 30 second shootout scene. And just, like, everyone dies in 30 seconds. And, the, and basically, that's the end of the... It's like, okay, and, and now Bill Paxson's character is hurt, but he gets to spend perhaps his last moments with his son and or he's going to, I don't know, send this kid money and continue to pretend to not be his dad because he's a garbage, racist
1: person. So I took it... Okay, so... Yeah, so the full plot is that he has fathered a child with this girl before she left town. And now that she's back, he's like, knows the family and stuff. And you're kind of not sure if the family knows that he's the father of this child or not. But They might have figured it out. And then he keeps insisting it's not his child, even though he, he seems to really know it is. The impression I get at the end is the way I took it. He's going to live, but now that she's dead, he's not going to be sending. He was going to send money every month to take care of that child if she had had helped him catch the other guys and helped him progress his career, but because she didn't and now she's not there, he's just going to go back to pretending that's not his kid. That's how I took it. <laughs> like I didn't see any reason. I didn't see any redeeming qualities in that person that he would just decide yeah. to do the right thing now.
2: You don't you don't feel like he's like connecting with them at the very end of the movie? I, yeah, I yeah,
1: kind of.
3: But I don't stuff. I don't know, because like, what's that, what, I don't know the, the, in a in a thriller movie, we should have a little more cut and dry lines of who are good guys and who are bad guys, especially in a movie that's a that starts with a house full of people getting fucking ruthlessly murdered over some drug money. And still by the end of the movie, I'm like, yeah, those guys are murderers, but Bill Paxton's a piece of shit too. So fuck him.
1: Yeah, no. And I, I don't have the problem per se with him being a shitty person as well. And that, uh, that, that can sometimes be interesting in a movie where you've got a clear cut, good guy and bad guy at the beginning, but towards as they, as their stories come together, you realize that it's not as clear cut. That can be interesting. Um, in this case though I just I don't feel like there was development of any of the characters necessarily. No. Like it was more like Especially for a nearly 2-hour movie. Jeez, yeah, gross. man, this Yeah, and I mean that's I mean look all all this, all the stuff we're saying is all correct and all we can nitpick it all we want, but the real truth is the reason I didn't like this movie is because it just felt so fucking long for me. Yeah.
2: You could um, easily cut half an hour of this movie and not lose anything.
1: Yeah. I mean a lot of this, a lot of the side stuff, like especially with Billy Bob's character coming across country, like if you you could really cut it down, like there's all these, like he's got his partner that's from Chicago, and we learn all about that guy and stuff, and it's like, but he's not. Does it matter? Could that just be any sidekick? You know what I mean? Or even not have a third person in the car? It's just him and the girl. Like, well, yeah. In one, time,
3: there's a bunch of moments in this movie where they're trying to set. Uh, because his name's Pluto, right? Isn't that what they keep calling him? But they're trying to set yeah, Pluto is. up as, oh, it's going to take a turn because he's way worse than they are. You know what I mean? He's way more dangerous. Yeah. But then it never fucking happens. He just gets he just gets gut shot in that fucking 20-second no. fight scene. Yeah.
2: No. He gets mad when some of his money gets stolen. And he, like, chokes Billy Bob for, like, two seconds. And yeah. then he's like, eh, all right
1: yeah a lot of the stuff it felt like i don't know and and again a lot of i don't think most of the scenes to me were executed relatively well it's just they didn't all tie together into a cohesive story no in a lot of the ways because you'd see like him like him and billy bob fighting and you'd be like yeah okay or there's like there is that cool moment where they get pulled over at one and the cop figures out that these are the criminals on the run and he pulls the two men out of the car and then when the, when he tells the girl to get out she just gets out and takes the cop out because he's turned his back on her you know. and it's kind of like okay that was a neat moment when it happened but if the big reveal is she's just as bad as them but then later they try to play her off as this sympathetic character because of her interactions with the Bill Paxton character and you're like okay but yeah. I just watched her shoot a cop yeah. in the head.
3: That, that was my exact reaction, too. I was like, why are they trying to. Because th- everybody's going, no, no, she isn't bad like them. And it's like, no, she shot a cop in the head.
1: Yeah, and not like in it, like, I don't, I don't know how many people have seen the movie, but like, it wasn't like a shootout and she, like, was saving someone's life. It was just to prevent her boyfriend from getting arrested. Like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's not like a noble motivation. Like, her boyfriend, who has, we've watched murder people throughout the movie so like for her to be willing to kill a cop just to just to protect him from being taken in and then we turn around and start playing her off as a sympathetic character shortly thereafter and you're like that doesn't work for me I don't know like I don't because she was at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie sort of sympathetic you sort of felt like she was an abused woman throughout part of it at the beginning and like she was kind of getting dragged into this against her will but once you're willing to just murder you know yeah
2: I also feel like the interconnectivity was not needed. Like just three bad people coming to town. Like that's good motivation. Yeah. The suddenly, you know, uh, Bill Paxton's like, Oh, it's this girl that I had, you know, an affair with. And that may have fathered a child. Like all that
1: stuff. I'm just like, it it did way
2: too connected.
1: do not need that whatsoever. One of the two stories I think would have been fine. either, Billy Bob's uncle is in town and that's who they're coming to see. And that's what sets up our storylines. And then the, or, you know, we don't know why they're coming to town. And the big reveal is that this girl is from there. When And then that changes things. Right. Cause that reveal probably would have worked better if we didn't have, a, if we hadn't been told why they were coming to star city. And then when Bill Paxton sees the video, he's like, Oh shit, that's why they're coming here. She's from here. You know what I mean? And then yeah. he realizes that this could expose him and all that.
2: Yeah, there's just way too much going on. Yeah. <clears throat> I did notice how this is definitely a pre Tarantino crime film. Like, there's lots of, like, you know, like you said, lots of reveals and stuff stacked up on each other that make no sense and are boring as fuck and whatever else.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like they were trying to do a, a Tarantino ish thing. Like, and they just. Tarantino hadn't written the template for it yet, I guess, so they weren't able to pull it off, right? Um, Because it it feels like, yeah, they're trying to do all these different reveals and have all these different characters and these scenes that have nothing to do with one another. Like, I kept, like, I kept, when I was watching it, I kept trying to find connections between the two leads because, like, obviously Paxton and Thornton are the leads, right? And you're like, okay, so I'm trying to find like connections between their characters, but I couldn't come up with anything <laughs> like it's other than they both banged that one girl I can't I can't see what like why would these two individuals be on a collision course with one another yeah like it doesn't I don't know it was weird yeah it's bad writing it's just yeah and again like a lot of the like I, I do I really like Bill Paxton's performance in the film um, his like like the way he's so excited all the time up to uh to have this like opportunity to be involved in like a shootout because he never gets to be in one. you know what I mean? Like, I think he plays that small town sheriff who's excited for this chance to do something more exciting really well. Mm. Um, And there's, I don't, I don't think there's any bad performances in the film per se. Um, Bullets, bullets aside. I I, I think Billy Bob Thornton's (laughs) fine in the role. Um, (laughs) You know uh, it's just, it's, it's missing something. It's miss- and I think a lot of it is missing me giving a shit about the fact that these two disparate storylines are coming to a head. They didn't know how to build mm. tension properly. And I think that might have to do with what you guys both said about there just being too many of these weird red herrings and strange plot threads that don't go anywhere. You know? Yeah. I agree. Like The only moment yeah. of the film for me that was impactful was when... Uh, when uh, the two LA cops are having lunch in the diner and they start with uh, they're laughing at the idea of Bill Paxton moving to LA and joining the force and they're just yeah. like they're cracking up about it and he's like on the other side of like a bookshelf or something and and his facial expression when he hears them laughing at the idea is just it's, it's really heart-wrenching and it's just the performance is basically all it is I'm just like oh shit I feel really bad for that guy in this moment but he's a he's a bigot, <laughs> so I don't really it, that bother. Well, the by funny thing is, is he, he
3: his whole reaction like you? It, I think the whole point is that it's childlike that you know he's he's upset like a little kid that just found out that mommy and daddy were making jokes about him, and in yeah. I don't know. That sums up his character in the movie for the most part, in which he's just he's kind of an immature douche nozzle.
1: Yes, he is. Um it, weirdly it's like playing into the stereotype of like the small town guy who has like like he's well respected within his community because he's managed to get into this sheriff position. But he's not I don't know how to put it like he's not a serious person. You know what I mean? Like nobody thinks he can solve a crime. But he can go to that guy's house and hold him down when he's about to hit his wife. Like but really anybody goes to the gym a little bit can do that it's not you know what i mean it's he doesn't really accomplish anything and you know he thinks he's really special and he's like not paying his tab at the at the diner and he thinks it's cool because like oh i'm the sheriff i can do that but they're like no please pay your tab like it's you know what i mean (laughs) like and it's like he's he's playing the part of a lawman and doing it poorly but everybody's just kind of letting it go because somebody's got to do it in a small town and then when he's faced with real cops and they're just like, no. Right. Cause even his interactions with like the, there's a, a state police officer that comes by a couple of times to bring them information and stuff and drops off like the pictures of the bill character and all that. Like, and whenever he comes in, you can just see the difference in how that's like a real cop, the way he walks, the way he speaks, the way he wears his uniform. That's a police officer. And if that guy said he wanted to move to L.A. and join the force, they'd probably sit down and have a conversation with him about it. Compared to, like, Bill Paxton, who's playing it like a a child who got a pretend badge.
2: Did anyone else find it weird when he came home and sort of molested his wife who's sleeping?
1: I mean, of all the shit in this movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was just a weird moment. He comes home, she's, like, asleep, she has a book on her chest. And he just, like, grabs her ass cheek and, like, pulls on it. I'm just wondering what the conversation is between actors at that point. Where <laughs> it's like, okay, you pretend to be asleep. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to, you know, with one hand, like, spread your ass cheeks. And then we'll just go on with the scene. Hey, what
1: happens is they're, they're reading the script, and they see that. And they look at each other and, like, what the fuck is going on? And then they look over, and they see that the guy that wrote the movie has that fucking ponytail. <laughs> and they're like, I guess this just makes sense then
2: yeah it was just a weird moment i'm just like what is he doing
1: his whole relationship with his wife i thought was weird i thought they did a good job of portraying him having like kind of a nice relationship with his kid but the wife Mm -hmm. just seemed i don't know again part of it is just like like he was playing house almost same way he was playing police officer maybe that makes sense maybe he got along with the kid because he acts like a kid maybe Maybe we were putting more thought into this than they did. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe they just were like, uh, "Do it big." Yeah, just do it big, Bill. And he's like, "Okay, I'll do it big." <laughs> big smile on my face the whole time. My hair is kind of puffy. I'm doing it all big.
2: Somebody pulls him aside. He's like, "Don't ever, don't ever tell Bill Paxton to go big." <laughs> just yeah. You <know. laughs> You've seen Near Dark, right?
1: <laughs> That's not what we want in this movie. Yeah, Near Dark. Uh, that performance doesn't fit with the thriller per se. <laughs> I mean, if only we had some redneck vampires now, in this movie. If you just give if you just give him this list of racial slurs and have him ease them into conversation, because <laughs> we want everyone to know he's racist, but not like in a bad way, just casual racist.
2: His wife's kicking him under the table. Was
1: he wanting like, to start to use part the, part the work right in front of the black cop? Yeah,
2: we want to like the black cop laughs, so it's okay.
1: We want to make sure that everyone knows that he's racist, but not the kind of racist where he wouldn't hire a black guy for a job, just the kind of racist where he would call him names once he worked there. You know? Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, I think this movie just didn't quite work. And I'm I'm seeing uh, a lot of high praise for it online. A lot of people like this movie, and I'm not sure what that is. There are people who say Bill Paxton's performance is good. I can't disagree with that. I think He does what he does really well. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, so to see him play this role again, very different from the last movie we just talked about. That's good. Um, I know this type of movie was popular at the time. So maybe people who haven't seen it since then are just remembering it as part of that sort of lexicon of thrillers from the early nineties, but just didn't, didn't quite come together. Again, I, I, it's hard for me to point to a scene and say that scene is bad, but the, a lot of the scenes felt like they weren't connected, like they weren't part of the same film.
2: Yeah, especially when they're separated, when it's the three convicts or killers or you know whatever you want to call them. When they're sort of doing their cross-country drive, yeah, and then there's stuff going on with Bill Paxton, everything feels really disconnected. Even though it is leading to the same place and the same thing, but it's just like these do not feel like they belong. Like they're telling them the same story at all.
1: Yeah, like I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how to do it because I'm not a filmmaker. But there's a way to make it to build tension in a moment like this, where you feel like there's a conflict coming between these two main characters or these two groups of characters, and they weren't able to do that. It's like I just, yeah. you know, and then. Like I said, the ending—the ending, the ending was—it's not an action film, so it doesn't need to have a ten-minute shootout at the end. But it just felt anticlimactic. You're like, you had these two completely separate storylines going on, then you invented this third weird storyline about sex with an underage woman of, of another race, which is plot-relevant because the guy's racist. <laughs> You're like, you invented that to tie the two stories together and to try to create this. I don't know this, this climax but it, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't like I guess to like like there's supposed to be something in there about how he went off on his own to try to do this without the LA cops, which I assume is because he wants to be taken seriously and he realizes now that he isn't. But did you I don't did you feel that in the movie? It's more like intellectually I can explain that that must be what they were trying yeah. to do. But I'm like that's the
2: same thing. I'm like I could identify that oh this is why he's doing this, but there was no nothing like in the film that made that like uh um uh, like a tension yeah. like oh shit he's doing it by himself and now he's not gonna back up like there was never a moment where I was like oh he's in danger because he doesn't know what he's doing which is closer to what should be going on
1: yeah and it, like there was instead, no... instead of the L A cops
2: taking a little kid around to see if they can figure out what street they drove down a couple nights before
1: there should have been yeah there should have been more of a more tension between him and the cops and more of, like, him pushing them away and saying, fine, I'll go do this on my own. I don't even need you guys here. And them saying, like, clearly you shouldn't. You're going to get yourself shot. (laughs) You know? Um, But that, that, I don't just wasn't there. And you're right. Like, the stuff with the the L.A. cops trying to chase him down. Again, complete lack of tension. Like, I I, I don't know. I'm starting to think that maybe all movies, a lot of movies from the 90s have this issue of, like... (laughs) trying to be set in the real world but not being able to create real world tension and it seems to come up a lot when we talk about movies from this era this is 92 i think so
2: yeah Yeah. yep i don't know i was kind of disappointed in the movie started out really liking it and then it just sort of fell apart
3: i feel like the best the best part of the entire movie it's the end of the movie when Bill, Fox, Bill Paxton's been shot and stabbed, and he's laying in that police car trying to call for the ambulance, and he's like crying, like a, like, and he's like, it's it's down the road, this is a quarter mile past the thing. You got an address? No, I don't got the goddamn address.
1: <laughs> Again, the performance is good. It's just it's also kind of funny to watch him
2: All right, Noah, what have you watched this week? Uh,
3: Not a whole lot. Uh, Sure wanted to start watching a show that we both had missed, which it would be uh, six feet under the the Michael C. Hall vehicle about the family running a uh, funeral home. It's all right. I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of those ones that I, it got so overhyped that everybody had always told me yeah. it's one of the best shows that have ever been on TV. And I started watching it and I was like, no, this is just okay. It's kind of why I haven't watched it. So I feel like it's going to be too overhyped for what it actually probably is. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like shameless mm-hmm. in a funeral home.
1: Oh, see, I've never seen the show, but that's not what I, how I would have picture so <laughs> uh,
3: well it's this weird blend of funny and serious i don't like i don't know there's just a lot going on the one brother had left and had nothing to do with the family business and he's coming home for christmas and their dad gets killed in a car accident coming to pick him up at the airport Michael C. Hall's character wanted to be a lawyer, but he stayed and learned to the funeral business to make his dad happy. Uh, and he's quote fingers secretly gay, even though pretty much everybody except for his mom knows he's gay. And then they have a weirdly younger sister who, even though they're both in their thirties, she's like 15 or 16 and still in high school and She's kind of the doing drugs and wild and all that kind of stuff. And the way the show's done, I I don't know. It's strange because they're constantly having these, I don't, I don't, I I can't quite describe where they have like conversations with a dead person, like, like a ghost kind of, except I don't think in the show, they're supposed to literally be ghosts. They're just supposed to be kind of these manifestations of what people think this dead person would say.
1: Is the term dark passenger? Is that what you're reaching for here?
3: No, I don't. It's just, I don't know. It's really odd. It's it's just an odd thing because it's not, and it seems so out of place in a movie that is otherwise grounded in reality to all of a sudden have these reality breaking moments of the show. I don't know. It's real strange
2: yeah I know what you mean it's like a more of like a metaphorical thing than a literal but then they're having a conversation with somebody that yeah why would they have conversations with that person yeah
3: I yeah. know what you mean no but it's not like like I said so far the show's really good I mean all the actors and stuff that are involved are all good but I don't know like I said it's, it's one of those movies that, I, that one of those shows that I think got overhyped so now I don't know if I can enjoy it the same Uh I think I think that's it. I've watched a whole bunch more Superstore. It's still it's still really funny. I like that show a lot. All in on the Superstore, huh? Well, and they keep bringing in people, so now it's got occasionally. Uh, oh God damn it! What's I can't remember the actor's name, but the one they, who they keep calling Diebeard Beard in uh, Peacemaker.
2: Oh, Steve Agee
3: yeah he's he's in it is one of the seasonal employees who comes in every once in a while and he's really funny yeah
2: I should
3: probably watch that
2: show at some point
3: yeah yeah it's it's funny the the main boss the their boss is this hyper christian weird awkward dude who takes his job way too seriously, but he talks like Kermit the fucking frog for some reason. <laughs> So
2: she, yeah you
3: ta- i mean he talks like this <laughs> through the whole show Is it mark mckinney i I don't know what the actress name is from kids and all no yeah. no no mm-hmm. well no he maybe he looks shows. like he's, looks shows, like he's so. he looks like
2: he's gained a lot of weight since kids and all but yeah yeah well
3: but oh my god his character is just so fucking out of control. <laughs> There's, there's an episode where he finds out that they sell the morning after pill and he freaks out and he goes in and buys all of the morning after pills and whenever the guy rings them out, he's like, okay, that's going to be 1150. And he's like, yeah, I'll just keep doing this every day. And then he looks down and he goes, wait, 11,050. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, these pills are like a piece.
2: (laughs) Speaking of weird voices, uh, this is completely sidetracked, but this is what... You made me think of this when you mentioned he talks like Kermit the Frog. Uh, Do either one of you watch Homestar Runner back in the day? Looking at a thing in a bag. So it's a yes from Noah, silence from Doug. I said no.
1: No, no. There was a weird bag comment going on.
2: Oh, uh... I was playing uh, the Friday 13th online game once, and it was just like a lobby of random people, and then we started the game. And the way the game works, somebody's always Jason, and they go around and kill all the counselors, you know? And uh, this dude was not doing it on purpose. This was his real voice. But this guy sounded just like Homestar Runner, and it was the weirdest fucking thing to hear. Of him, like, busting into a cabin, like, oh, hello, don't run, don't run, I'm gonna kill you. Just like This is the weirdest, fucking surrealist moment I've ever had. That's really funny. <laughs> just watch anything else, Noah.
3: Just kicks open the door, just goes <laughs> <laughs> uh No. Oh, yo, yeah, yo, yeah, I take that back. We watched a movie called uh, Please Don't Destroy the Treasure of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Something Something? Something Mountain? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's I don't, the, uh, It's the digital short guys from SNL now.
3: Yeah. Although they're basically... I don't... It feels like they're just stealing shit. Because this movie feels a whole lot like it should be the dudes who made Workaholics making a movie. Yeah. And instead it's just three dudes pretending to be the dudes from Workaholics making a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't it's it's a weird combination of humor that I'm like, this is not funny at all. And I have officially gotten so old that I no longer understand this generation's humor. (laughs) And then other moments in the movie where something happens and it's one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever seen in my entire life. And it just alternates back and forth between that of me going, this is so fucking stupid. It's not funny. And then something really funny happens. John Goodman does this voiceover narration. And I do either of you plan on watching this film.
2: No. Uh I, I'm, I want to, but I mean, it's nothing sacred. You can spoil
3: whatever. Okay, because I'm I'm just going to spoil one joke. There's there's a joke where a hawk keeps following them around through the whole movie because this dude keeps blowing into this bird call. And instead of it sounding like a bird call, it, <laughs> keeps, it sounds like horrible screaming for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> And at the end, they've got the treasure and there's this huge battle royale thing and they call the hawk and the hawk swoops down and grabs the treasure and, you know, flies. And he's like, now, hawk, bring it back to me. And of course, the hawk just flies away. (laughs) (laughs) And the John Goodman narration's like, and they learned a valuable lesson that day because really it wasn't about treasure. It was about friendship. And all of a sudden they you hear. Ah and you see the hawk swooping back toward them with the treasure and John Goodman goes holy shit the hawk's coming back (laughs) Uh, love John Goodman he's a national treasure yeah that part's real funny because there's one part that he goes I'm John Goodman you know that right Uh, I don't know so, it's, it's like I said, it's a mixed bag. It's probably worth a watch. Yeah, when I saw Conan
2: was playing one of their dads, which is yes. basically the red-haired guy, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll probably watch that because I do want to some Conan.
3: Conan's Conan's one of the best parts of the movie. There's this weird thing where he treats his son like garbage. He basically owns uh, what's essentially a, like a Bass Pro Shop, and... He, one of his other employees he's super into them, but like not in a sexual way. More like he wants to pretend this other employee is his son. And they and they keep talking about it like like his dad is cheating on him with another kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's
1: really weird. Anyways, what'd you watch dad? Uh that's a good question. Um Let's see, I watched a movie. So I had asked Brian for a suggestion of a movie to watch, but he took too long to answer. So I went with a random 2B selection, and I'm pretty sure I ended up some, watching something that Brian specifically said I shouldn't watch. But I'd forgotten until, like, partway through the movie, and I'm like, oh, I remember hearing about this. Okay. So uh, Stripped to Kill. Do you remember telling me I shouldn't watch that? Oh no, that? no.
2: I believe I told you Dance of Death was a complete ripoff of Strip to Kill. Oh, okay. Not to watch Dance of Death, because it doesn't do it nearly as well.
1: All right. So, Strip to Kill is, uh, there's a killer who is killing strippers. And so, a cop goes undercover as a stripper. Yep. To See,
2: The, the one I watched, it was a reporter that went undercover
1: oh yeah okay so that's totally different i was gonna say like i remember you being kind of harsh on it and i didn't think this film deserved it um
2: no i enjoyed strip to kill from what i remember because it's that perfect blend of like ooh 80s sleazy movie and but then it's actually kind of fun it's dance of death is
1: terrible okay so yeah i would say strip to kill i like what they were trying to do is make a giallo film right yeah you've got like the cops investigating you've got the kills you don't know who the killer is. You're reasonably confident that none of the red herrings are actually going to be the killer. Um, and then when the killer is revealed, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. How could it be that guy? Um, so I see where the, the basis was going. I This is going to sound like a weird complaint. A little too much emphasis on the stripping. Like, <laughs> like in the first half of the film, we get like full striptease numbers from like each of the girls in the club. And then, like, you have, like, the cop lady who's, like, awkward on her first try and all this. And you're like, okay, we got we got that out of the way. Now we can concentrate on the mystery. And nope. <laughs> just continue to have striptease shows throughout the movie, which is, again, I guess a, the, the product of a bygone era. When, if you wanted to see Naked women, you had to go to the video store and rent a movie that was going to have lots in it. Well, you got you to also remember, this movie is produced
2: by Roger Corman valid point
1: but even by roger corman standards there's a lot of nudity in this
2: who also produced dance with death so he ripped himself
1: off Uh, fair enough i don't think that's the only time he did that no it just means he made a dollar 50 off this movie and he's like "Ooh, let's just do it again make another dollar 50 in profits um Uh, make a reporter this time yeah slight change yeah i would have liked to see more Emphas- either the strip to kill either needed to go a little bit more sleazy um, or a little bit more serious. I think it kind of fell in in between. yeah um, Because no. they're like, when you do have like three striptease numbers in a row and then you have background scenes of like the strip club owner, like trying to convince the girls to, you know, stick around even though they're, because he doesn't want his business to go under just because of these murders and stuff. And you're like, ah, Am I supposed to be taking this stuff seriously? <laughs> I don't know. Um, it wasn't terrible though. It was it was kind of a fun one-time watch for me. Yeah. Um, at the end, there's a climax. sequel that apparently
2: has supernatural stuff in it. Oh, I
1: mean, <laughs> sure, why not? Just throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Roger Corbin. <laughs> yeah, you know, there is a there is like a really funny moment in this movie where um she gets because like, it is. I mean, technically, this is basically a similar plot line to uh, oh, shit, Canyon Reeves' surfing movie there. and <laughs> Point break. And there you do get the moment where, like, the police chief is like, sorry, we're paying her to go undercover as a stripper. Like, like she gets the call, and she's like, hangs up, she looks at her partner, and she's like, uh, I thought we were approved for this. Like, this was a whole thing. And, like, it, there's the, the plot line has been that, like she entered like a amateur stripping contest and they had a bunch of cops go down and cheer for her to, so that she'd win the amateur stripping contest so that she'd get the full time job. So she could get to know the other strippers so that she could find out who was doing the killing. And then she's like, so this was just a ploy to see me naked. And he's, he kind of does like this, like "I I didn't make you do it. Like, and you were approved for undercover. They just didn't know exactly what you were doing. And it's a real fun moment. I'm just like it's such a just sleazy eighties moment in film, and you're just like, "What a scumbag like <laughs> I don't know there's something again it's that weird innocence of the eighties where it's like that's obviously a horrible thing to do to somebody and like but it it just comes across as so fun when they do it in movies. Never do that in real life, like in real life, never trick one of your coworkers into stripping in front of a, you and your other coworkers. <laughs> that's bad, but in a cheesy eighties movie you can definitely get away with it. I wouldn't even try doing it in in like a movie today. It would just come across as gross. Oh, oh. But
2: that's people would be like, That's not true. You get you get fucking uh HR yeah.
1: for that. Yeah. Well there is a there is a fun moment where he's like the the partner is like, it, don't worry, like you're not gonna get in trouble for this, I am. Like it's, so that makes it okay. <laughs> and then there's supposed to be like a plot line where she's like becoming friends with all the other strippers and so like at one point when they're like pulling her off but like when she goes in to quit she can't bring herself to leave and i'm like i that was not built up properly at all that's, <laughs> that's like a showgirls level of drama where you start doing like the whole like now she just really likes being a stripper and like you almost expect the movie to end with her like turning in her badge to go be a stripper and developing a routine that involves her taking off her old cop uniform or something like that's the way it's being played out. But yeah, overall, I mean, I don't know how much there is to say about this movie, but it was, it was fun. It was, the mystery is not great. When the reveal comes of who the killer is, you're like, but I'm pretty sure there's been several lines of dialogue that make that not possible. But I guess I wasn't supposed to be listening to the dialogue in this film. I guess That's not what this was for.
2: Roger Corman's, like,
1: dialogue. Wait a minute. They let people talk in this? <laughs> <laughs> that was not approved. There's there's a moment, too, where, like, the strippers are going to do vigilante justice on the guy that they think is doing the killing. And, and there's something so cheesy about these, like, very 80s strippers with the big hair and the giant fake breasts and stuff trying to, like, beat up on this guy. And, like, at one point, I think they're, like, pouring gas on him. Like, they're going to light him on fire before the... The cop stripper comes out and stops them there's just, there's just something hilarious about it like because I mean when when I say 80 stripper I'm assuming everyone can close their eyes and picture something in their head of what that looks like, <laughs> and that's what all the girls look like like yeah uh,
2: now weirdly dance with death has the more star power okay because it's got Martin Mall is the club owner um
1: oh is that more star power because this said Norman fell
2: wow. Well, they also had Lisa Kudrow right before she got on Friends. Oh, okay, um, and then uh, the the guy that's a red herring that turns out to be an undercover cop uh, is uh, Rex Manning from Empire Records.
1: Oh, okay, so yeah, that's um, that is well, I don't know if that's, I don't know if any of that counts as star power. <laughs> <laughs> like Lisa Kudrow today is star power, but Lisa true before Friends, like I don't know. Yeah, this one just said Mister Roper as the surprisingly he, uh, sympathetic strip club owner. It's like I was the was only thing. Would,
2: would he watch uh, the girls dance and then do the slow turn to the camera and smile like he used to do on the Three's <laughs> Company?
1: No, but I wish he had. <laughs> it is weird, like the background Paul, politi- I don't know much about the strip club industry. Certainly not the strip club industry in the 1980s. But it does seem like these are strictly employees that come in and work on like a salary basis. And I'm not sure if that's how that works. I think it's more of a traveling type job at a contract basis. Um, But it's very strange to me the way that they set it up. Like he's like, he treats them like as if they're any other workers. And I'm like, I think that's not how that works. I don't like, like I don't think the owner like, just like gives you a time when you have to show up and pays you an hourly wage. And I don't know. It felt very strange, but, but hey, who am I to question? You know, guy could run an entire apartment apartment building, I'm sure he can run a strip club. So. <laughs> now, if the sequel had Don Knox taking over the oh strip club, then I'd watch it for sure.
2: That would be amazing.
1: <laughs> if someone's be amazing. like,
2: "Come on, we got to do it, guys." Let's see what Don Knox is
1: doing. Just yeah. <sighs> now i want that movie so bad it's Sad that it can't happen maybe uh, we finally found a good use for ai oh my god um I don't, I don't know i don't know that's it strip to kill when you heard the title you knew exactly what my review was gonna be <laughs> it yep, is. there's lots of stripping in it and some killing the kills are pretty good that's the one thing i'll say so um speaking of movies that are just about the killing the other thing I watched was a movie called Natty Knox, which heard of it. It is from the director of Halloween Four starring Bill Mosley, Danielle Harris, and Robert England. You knew I was gonna watch it. Just... It has to happen, right? <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, a little weird that Daniel <laughs> Harris plays the mom of the kids Hi, who are I being stuck I joined- Okay,
2: <laughs> sorry. I pulled up the uh, AI generator I have on my phone to type in Don Knotts as a strip club owner. (laughs) It's making making me watch an ad before it uh, it shows me what it came up with.
1: That's a valid reason to interrupt my discussion. (laughs) And
2: what was I saying? Uh, Daniel Harris plays the mom in it.
1: Yeah, which is a little weird, because like, especially having just watched Halloween 4 recently and realizing that like, When I was a little kid, she played the little sister of the people who were the teenagers to be killed. And then now that I'm the old man, she's the old lady playing the mom of the kids. It's like it's a little awkward. (laughs) Uh, Also (laughs) awkward that like in 1988, 10-year-old me had a crush on 10-year-old her. And now in 2023, 44-year-old me is like, oh, look at Daniel Harris. (laughs) It's one of the advantages of, of getting famous when they're young and staying famous.
2: You know, she does a podcast where people ask her sex questions and she answers them.
1: Yeah, I keep downloading it and then forgetting to listen to it. Um, probably not perfect for listening while I work anyway. Be distracting. Um, <laughs> stop, stop interrupting my discussion of a Knox docs with your weird Sorry. talk. Um, Is it good? It's a slasher film, and it's fine. And that's exactly what I wanted when I watched it. I'm just like, I think following thanksgiving last week i was just like i just want to watch slasher movies like why don't they just make slasher movies anymore and that's what this is and i mean like is is like spoiler alert bill mosley's the killer um is that awesome yeah it's fucking bill mosley like is he gonna deliver a bad performance No. robert england plays like this older guy who just kind of shows up to do exposition but it's robert england giving monologues into the camera so it's great you know what i mean and yeah. you know Robert England telling the story of this like old witch and how her son supposedly was killed but might still be around. And then there's the Bill Mosley guy living in her house, and you're like, I wonder if that's the son. Like, it's you know what I mean. Like, there's nothing particularly shocking going on the whole time. Uh, but it's these teenagers running around being stalked by Bill Mosley, who's also a cop. So he like pulls them over and acts all intimidating and scary and Bill Mosley ish.
2: I was going to say, does Bill Mosley know he's in a movie?
1: Maybe. I don't know. Or did they just help him? <laughs> just <laughs> leave him alone. Stalking teenagers? And you're just like, eh. I mean, I hope he did, kids. it's a... Uh, yeah, I don't I don't want him to be stalking teenagers in real life. But it's, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about movies like this, because it's like, yes, I enjoyed watching it. It's the kind of movie that, like, in a couple of years, if I'm flipping through Tubi and it's still on there, I could see myself just watching it again just because, like, I'll have forgotten just enough of it to enjoy watching it again. But it, there's nothing sp- particularly special about it. Any of that makes sense? Mm. But if, you, if you like slasher films and you're excited to see, like, people from old slasher films be in a new slasher film, <laughs> then this is the one for you. Yeah, and that's pretty much how it was sold to me. Someone told me they're like, "Yeah, it's just a slasher. Just watch it." I'm like, "Oh yeah, Yeah, I do like kind of into that idea." Yeah, I mean, for me, it changes day to day what kind of mood I'm in. Whether I just want to watch something like that, but on this day I did. So, I mean, there's like there's weird backstory where like it opens with this like woman being like lynched and stuff, which it does turn out that like so they take this woman who they think is like a witch and they throw her in like the shed and like vigilante style like light the thing on fire burn burner but then later we get Robert England recounting that story so looking into the camera going and then like the women were so upset that they locked her up in the shed and lit her on fire it was vigilante and you're like that's what they did to you that time remember like so, <laughs> <laughs> again like just I don't know
2: you wonder it, if he reads it, and he's like, "Huh, yeah, this is
1: kind of cool." Hey, wait a minute! I mean, like, it's that's one of those things where, you're like, that's just obviously fan service. It's like, yeah, but I'm the fan they're servicing, so <laughs> it's fine. Like, it so, makes it okay, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a recommendation if you're if you're one of us, and I am one of us. So nice. Um, and I don't think I watched any other movies this week. I inexplicably, for some reason, I watched the Frasier reboot. Okay. And I don't know why I did that. I can't explain it. Because I don't really like sitcoms, right? And did you watch original like, Frasier? Not religiously or anything. I probably saw most of it, because back then you had to watch whatever was on. So when once it was in like rotation and just on nightly, I probably watched a bunch of episodes. But, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you expect it to be. And I don't know why I picked this one to watch. Like I haven't watched like the Roseanne reboot or the night court reboot or any of the other reboots. For some reason, this one popped up and I went, yeah, I'll watch that. So it was like eight episodes or something. And I'm just like, he's just Frazier being Frazier doing very sitcom-y things. And I don't know. I don't know. Really, again, like, I don't know why I watched it because I didn't really anticipate enjoying it. I can't say I did enjoy it. Maybe it was just comforting to watch something that was so much like the TV. I used to watch when I was a lot younger. But I mean, it's if you want to see an episode where the the girl from across the hall is going to set Fraser and Fraser's son both up on a date, and a woman shows up and they don't know which one she's there to meet. If that's the kind of thing that appeals to you, that happens in this show. <laughs> At one point, Fraser wants to become a Harvard professor, but the uh, the guy who's in charge of the decision doesn't like people who drink, so he's trying to pretend he doesn't drink, and people keep pointing out that he does. Again, like very sitcommy. So. Maybe you'll like it if you if that appeals to you. I don't know. Mm. Again, I watched it, so who am I to criticize anyone else for enjoying it? Interesting. But that would be about it for me. So you got some stuff, Brian? Is this uh, is this message I got, if I open it up, is it gonna be uh, Don and Oz running a strip club? <laughs>
2: like, uh weirdly the AI it is that. The weirdly the AI created like a four panel like comic strip that makes zero sense because the couple word balloons in it. Is it have just gibberish instead of actual words. But yes.
1: Why aren't they words?
2: I don't know. It's either that or it's in Russian, one of the two. Um. Let's see. The uh, the one movie I watched, apparently I didn't have enough Bill Paxton in my life. So, Cindy's like, we should watch uh, Twister. Because okay. weirdly, I've never seen Twister before. Okay. Just one that I just never got around to watching. So, we watched Twister. It was a lot of fun. It's a good natural disaster movie. Makes uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know it's enjoyable. It's the nineties. Why not? Makes sense.
3: She's chasing down that F five because the F five killed her parents.
2: <laughs> yeah. and Apparently, there's also like twenty tornadoes like within like a five mile radius of each other.
1: Yeah, the movie is nonsensical, but super
2: fun. Over over like a three day three day span. Sure. I don't know. Made enough sense that they're making a sequel, apparently, called Twisters. So we'll see. Uh, That's enjoyable. Bill Paxton's enjoyable, as always. we find out he has to get divorce papers signed, I turned to Cindy, and I was like, I wonder if they're going to end up together.
1: (laughs) What about when the tornado throws a cow at him, though? Twice, but it's just the same cow. Well, you know. (laughs) Special effects budgets being what they are.
2: Yeah uh yeah i don't know it was a lot of fun
1: awesome i enjoyed it there's plenty of big dumb action movies where people fight and stuff somebody had to fight the wind eventually right
2: so yeah, yeah. <laughs> carrie always need to be an asshole that blows up in a truck in a tornado mm-hmm. makes sense yeah totally um i watched the uh the new doctor who
3: special oh yeah how was that
2: I enjoyed it, and I was a big fan of Tenet's run, so I was excited to uh, see him come back, see what, what nonsense they come up with to explain why he regenerated back into the Tenth Doctor. Uh, they haven't fully explained it yet. Still two more specials to go for the next two weeks. So, no, yeah, it's good. Um, there's some stuff that feels a little, like, shoehorned in at first, but once the story sort of plays out, you're like, oh, okay,
3: I can go along with this. People are getting super horny for his new Sonic Screwdriver.
2: It is pretty fabulous. I was like, I don't remember his screwdriver doing this, and then I had to remind myself, I haven't watched for the last two Doctors, so they must have upgraded it. But it is pretty sweet. Um, it's just nice seeing him back in the role. Some of his old works come out again, which is a lot of fun.
3: Um,
2: yeah, just makes me want to go back and watch some of the... Uh, some of his uh, older stuff.
3: The return of the converse.
2: Return of the converse, which happens like right away. I was like, "Oh wow, he just jumped in the TARDIS and uh, dug through it until he found uh, all his old clothes." Huh. Um. Apparently, we get a new TARDIS interior, which I was not hundred percent aware that that's was happening. But like I said, I haven't watched in a couple Doctors, so I didn't know what it was supposed to look like anyway. Um, but apparently, it's the biggest TARDIS set they've ever built. Lots of ramps and a bunch of other shit. So I don't know. <clears throat> I'm excited to see where the next two go because I know Neil Patrick Harris is on board as the what was it the Toy Maker, which is like some a season one villain that they haven't done anything with in forever. It's interesting. Yeah. So I'm uh, always interested to see see what Neil Patrick Harris is going to do when he shows up. So um yeah i don't know i enjoyed it That was good uh and then i watched gen v which is a spinoff of the boys it's about uh kids who were uh shot up with uh um what the fuck is that shit called something v whatever whatever the shit is that gives people superpowers in the boys
1: yeah you know i've been seeing that pop up and i did not realize that was a spinoff of the boys I got to yeah. start paying more attention to the to the world around yep. me. Like I probably would have watched it if I'd known that.
2: Yep, it's only eight episodes. It's uh, a bunch of kids in college, and they they're kind of sent to the um they're all attending like the superhero college where kids with powers go. And of course, some shady shit going on, and some uh, cameo appearances by some other boys' characters, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, I had a good time. I got to watch. Uh, I got to watch a guy's dick blow up because this girl like exploded all the blood in it nice you know typical stuff from the boys
1: I was gonna say that's almost cliche at this point <laughs> right
2: <laughs> there's just so much shit that I'm just like oh oh so that's what we're doing that's what we're doing this time huh I shouldn't have been too excited by the uh, announcement of nudity in this episode because it was actually a dick exploding and not not anything good should have known that <laughs> But yeah, it's good. I'm excited to see uh, appears there's gonna be a season two from the way it's set up at the end. So and it just makes me more excited for uh season four of the boys, which is I think coming at the beginning of the new year, maybe.
1: It feels like there's like like Amazon kind of does what HBO used to do, which is wait way too long between seasons of shows.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like there's a post credit scene that gives away absolutely nothing, but it uh Um, it's just fucking butcher walking down a hallway, like with a flashlight, inspecting something from the from like the season, and he just looks, he just he's just looking around, and then he's all he says is "right, cunts," and then just that's the end. And I'm just like, what the fuck? That doesn't even explain anything. But somehow I'm totally on board. Sure, yeah. So I don't know. It's uh. It was great. I can't wait to, uh, like I said, see season four of the boys. So I need to hurry up and get that, get that out. I should probably go watch the,
1: um, the animated thing. I watched like one episode of that at one point and I, I wasn't sucked into it. Yeah. But to be fair, I watched one episode. So maybe, maybe if you watch more than that, it's good. I don't know.
2: So we'll see. And then, uh, last night I started watching, uh, this season of Fargo, we only got one episode in so far, but it's usual Fargo tastic. Yeah, where some random shit's happening that doesn't quite make sense yet, but will probably make a lot of sense by the time the season's over. And will it though? Lots of people <laughs> with uh, that nice Minnesotan accent. So we'll see. And I didn't know uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh was on this season, which makes me super excited because I love her. And she's already in a season with Dave Foley and John Hamm and uh, Juno Temple.
1: so It's a pretty exciting cast. Yeah. They do a good job with that show of bringing in a lot of good people.
2: They do. And then they do the thing that you were just talking about, that HBO sort of does, where they take a long time between seasons. Mm -hmm. But since each season is different, it's not that big of a deal because you're getting a brand new story every season.
1: Yeah, it's a completely okay. different approach. So, Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
2: Hey, right, Doug, I gave you more than 24 hours notice. we watch next week.
1: Well, first of all, you gave me more than 24 hours notice, and you guys had a long discussion about Doctor Who, so while you were doing that, I faded out and started looking at the list to pick movies. <laughs> <laughs> so let's make that important, because... Uh, you'll remember earlier in the show, Noah said that he likes to watch movies for escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll also notice that on the list, there's a, a week called Movies Inspired by True Events. And you'll also notice that I'm an asshole. So, <laughs> <laughs> so movie. So do you guys remember this weird trend from like the mid-2000s where they would pick a headline and then just make a movie out of it? Yeah. <laughs> So, we will be discussing Stuck from 07 and Compliance from 2012.
2: At least Stuck is a uh, Stuart Gordon movie.
1: It is, yes. Um, and it's inspired no idea by. either of these movies are. Okay, so the, the headline that inspired Stuck was that a nurse was drinking and driving on her way home and hit a man, and he became lodged in her windshield. So, she parked the car in the garage and went inside and went to bed with him just there. <laughs> and eventually, you know, eventually she got caught because it's hard to get away with that. Yeah, I was going to say, the guy in the windshield might have something to say about it. <laughs> well, he's, I, think he, I think he died in her garage because, she like, he wasn't dead when she parked the car, but he was dead when somebody else went and checked. Um, but the movie takes liberties with, with the actual story. Uh, and Compliance is, let's just say watch Compliance Blind. It's way grosser. So But also inspired yeah. by true events. So I remember that one. Um yeah. Yeah. One of these is gonna be a little bit more fun to watch than the other if they are as I remember them. <laughs> so <laughs> haven't seen either one of them since they were new. So.
2: Congrats, Noah. Nah,
1: <laughs> it's it technically Brian's fault because he gave me too much notice for picking movies if he told me like an hour before we recorded to pick movies I would have panicked and just picked something and then that would have been what we're doing but since he gave me 24 hours notice I'm like I'll just do it later I'll just do it later I'll just do it later and then oh shit I gotta pick movies and we're almost at that point of the show <laughs> <sighs> I was posting the Mister Furley. Mister com- Furley runs a strip club. <laughs> comic to the Instagram page, <laughs> and I realized I shouldn't be doing this. I should be picking movies instead. Yeah, I went
2: ahead and posted it to the Facebook. It just said, "This will make a lot more sense in a couple episodes."
1: I like how neither of us trusted ourselves to. Um, nope. To like wait and do it when it was relevant.
2: Because I thought about just saying, "Hey, I'll just make this the artwork for the episode," and uh, I will... C- <laughs> I will completely forget.
1: Yeah. So, so it's, it's the listener's responsibility as they hear this now to go back to the socials and scroll back until you find what we're talking about. Yeah. That's on which you guys. Won't,
2: which won't be far because we don't get a whole lot of traffic in the Facebook group.
1: No.
3: So. Although apparently we did have something removed.
1: Oh, we yes. had a lot of stuff removed. Yeah, somebody's some, out there violating community guidelines in Facebook.
2: Some, some, some block got in, and started posting porn links
1: everywhere. Yeah, oh, is that what that that was
2: that was? Yeah, because you can that's... go in, you can go in and then see, uh, like, oh, what did they remove? And then uh, it'll show you, like, oh, here's the link, and it's full on, just a picture of a woman getting it, like, right up the ass the whole time. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's made to look like a video, so people will click on it. But I bet it doesn't go to a video site. It might. I mean, huh. probably not the
3: video site. that they're the thing you want. It. You're telling me it's not the number one movie on Netflix?
2: <laughs> no, Netflix would be a whole different uh, streaming service. Somebody misspelled Astros on the list. Guessing that was Doug. That was me.
1: Baseball's not really my sport, so I don't know how to spell Astros as well as some other people might.
2: Oh, I forgot the T, so it was just
3: Astros.
1: Different kind of team. <laughs> Different kind of sport. I guess that that will also get blocked in the Facebook group if people are posting that there. <laughs> All
2: right. Well, my dog's whining to me to go out, so I guess the show's over.
0: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night.